welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity and AI, like beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts. With me, as always... You didn't say your name. I'm going to say Carlos oh, I, Cooper's I, I, Car- guy. Carlos Cooper. I am your co-host, Carlos Cooper. With me, as always... Dave Gurney. And Joe Hilliard. I almost didn't fuck it up. I, well, I just didn't want to lose... I mean, like, people are going to be listening to the first episode of Beer in a Movie for them. Right. That's true. And they're going to be like, who is that I know Dave and Joe now, but who's the... Yeah, who's the genuinely other? gorgeous who's the voice at the beginning of the episode <laughs> bringing me in? absolute last way I would ever describe my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Mellifluous? Golden-throated? Uh, Grady? <laughs> Nasally? You know Tom Waits. Uh, I win nasally here. Well, you know, we're here to talk beer and movies. And we're talking cutting edge movies, folks. Folks that, you know, movies that just came out into the theater and on streaming platforms um, just a few days ago. But before we get to that excitement, we are going to open up a bottle that I've been holding on to for a little while. And and, uh, I'm excited that we're actually going to get into this. This is a bourbon barrel aged Imperial Porter from Collective Arts. Uh, out of uh, Stowe, Vermont, so okay. com- coming to us from the great state of Vermont. This is the 2020 edition, so like I said, I've had this uh, in my cabinet for a few months now. Excited to crack it open. It is 11.5%, so Good start. Pretty, Good start. pretty hefty start to the episode here. Love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, get that poured into the glass. Very excited. Did not realize that you had been bringing this so many times when we hadn't opened it yet. Did not recognize the bottle, but I'm happy that we get to do it. Yay. All right. Well, it's a fun way to fun way to start the episode. Um, you know, pouring like a nice uh, porter should. Yeah. Nice boozy. Oh my God! You're gonna smell the bourbon on this one, guys. This this, is, uh, this hefty start to our episode rules out a bourbon county appearance in the after hours. Patreon.com/slash/beerandmoviepodcast. <laughs> uh, Five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. You already know what the fucking deal is. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Let's just get straight into it. We're talking about. 2021's uh, Ma- Matrix Resurrections from yeah. from Lana Wachowski, one half of the Wachowskis. Yeah. And in order to synopsize this movie, we do have to somewhat understand the three films that came before it. I think Carrie Ann Moss said in an interview with Jesus Romero that uh, she thinks, she believes, and I think Keanu agreed with her, that you can just jump into this movie having not seen the original trilogy. And I do think that's true to a certain degree, but there's a lot of things that you will miss in this if you're not familiar. I think it's terribly helpful to be at um, least It's incredibly familiar. helpful, but I think you can still grasp the basic plot of it. But since we are not just going to be grasping basic plot, we are going to be diving in deep to this film. I'm going to do my best, and I think I can accomplish it in 90 seconds. Oh. Uh, give a brief clock. synopsis of the first three films. David, when you're ready, start the clock. Go. The Earth has been laid to waste. It is sometime in the unknown future, possibly 2100 or whatever. And humans and machines are at war with each other because machines have begun to mine human bodies for energy. And in order to do so, they have created a computer simulation of reality to keep said humans complacent, unconscious, and just dialed into this fake thing so that they can take energy from their bodies. Uh, A war between man and machines ensues in real life and in this uh, computer simulation known as the Matrix. And through a series of events, a prophet comes forth, played by Keanu Reeves, named Neo, falls in love with uh, a woman, played by Carrie Ann Moss, named Trinity, and they battle the machines in and outside of the Matrix, eventually defeating them, 
Carrie Ann, Carrie Ann Moss's character Trinity dies in the process, and the Matrix is rebooted, uh, rebooted, ushering in a new era of peace between man, of peace between man and machine. Fumbly throated Carlos Cooper. Well, no, that was pretty good. And that was under a minute to synopsize the trilogy. The synopsize the trilogy. That's what I was going for, synopsize okay, okay, the trilogy. Okay. So now that we have a basic understanding, Baseline understanding. of okay. the three films that preceded it, we now enter the fourth film. This one I will not do in under 90 seconds, although I'll try to get as close as I can. But we find uh, ourselves with this new character, Bugs, who is in a new version of The Matrix and is... Uh, witnessing a reenactment um, of the first time that we as the audience met Trinity, played by Carrie Ann Moss, uh, in the original film, 1999's The Matrix, by the Wachowskis, both Wachowskis in that case. Um, and we begin to learn that something odd is going on, something that even those who uh, are outside of the simulation that is The Matrix would find odd. And... We then, through a series of events, realize that the you know there is there are these humans that are back in the matrix and free and whatnot, um, and that Neo still exists. Find that out shortly after, but is plugged back into the matrix. It's it's kind of obvious for a while, but the, but it's also like wait, where are we going with this? What's happening mm-hmm. here? Um, but the three movies that we understood. And having seen in 1999 and 2003, have in this version of The Matrix are a video game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A series of video a games. A series yeah. of video games called The Matrix, created by Neo, a.k.a. Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And he begins to wake up to reality as it truly exists, not as he has known it to exist. The film ensues. Yeah, that's pretty that's good. It's set that's sixty years in the future. It's set course, sixty years in the future. Yeah, I think the three of us love the Matrix, the original certainly, and we talked about it at length in episode forty. In episode forty, we drank Saint Elmo's riff with that episode. And one thing I would just like to lay out before we really dive too deep into this discussion is, I think it would behoove us to treat our audience as intelligent and very uh, familiar with the Matrix lore. Because I feel like if we start trying to get too, if we start trying to get too bogged down in an explanation of something that we have referenced, this conversation will last a very long time. I have no intention of doing that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and also, you know, you you were saying that. I mean, I think I think what Moss said in that interview is a little little dumb, but but <laughs> or or uh, obtuse or, or or something like it's an attempt. Like, it's an attempt. Hey, to you promote can see this film. movie yeah. even if you haven't seen the other films. I get that from a marketing standpoint. I don't get it from a, you're actually going to enjoy this film if you haven't seen But that said, even if you haven't seen the Matrix trilogy, there's you a great chance that you've seen clips of it yeah. and that you've heard things about it and that you know Neo and he's the one and yeah. that there's an oracle and that there's this, you know, the Matrix itself is this simulation that yeah. everybody's living. You know, so I think there's enough that's been in popular culture that most people are bringing at least that amount of Matrix baggage into this and could probably get by with that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I will uh, put an asterisk on, I think if you truly were a babe in the woods who just walked out of, you know, some sort of vacuum and never heard of Matrix at all before and tried sitting down to watch this film, it would probably be a little bit um, underwhelming. 
But if you have at least that base level of, okay, I've, I've heard about what this is and all that, I think you could probably get into it mm-hmm. yeah. um, well enough. Because yeah. it does lay some things out. It's rehashing a lot of things mm-hmm. on purpose. Yes. And by using that framing mechanism of... Neo, Thomas Anderson, our protagonist, being in this world, at least as the film begins, that it seems like he is not the Neo of the original films, but the person who created the story of those films and is responsible for the great scenes that we remember from those films that we see replayed at various moments. Bugs watching those scenes and taking part in those scenes by being in this video game. Um, So, you know, you get to see some of this stuff rehashed even if you never saw the other films. So I get that. Yeah. Oh, and Neil Patrick Harris plays his therapist. (laughs) The analyst. In The the Matrix, who we learn is... Yes, in the uh, simulation. The analyst behind the scenes. Yeah. Um... I never, I never could get over the Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick Harrisness of him. He just is that guy, and it's a classic I, I never Joe found him got lo- getting lo- never got lost in the character that he was. I don't have a lot of Neil. I mean, I definitely have Doogie Howser mm-hmm. in my mind. So when I was your a mother. kid, you're so yeah. old. I am so old. I did not watch the how did I. How I Date your rape mother. your mother or whatever. Whoa. I don't, what was the one? How I met your mother. Okay, I, your mother. The, I thought it was a Showtime series. What, okay, <laughs> no. sorry. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character. Let's save is the a rape que- for the second half of is the episode. A, is, is of questionable morality. Yeah, I will say that. And uh, I, I tried to re. I watched that whole series. This is a rabbit hole. Welcome to it. Um, I watched that whole series as a late teen, early twenties. Tried to rewatch some of it recently. Awful, unwatchable, yeah. and Hulu yeah. now has "How I Met Your Father" coming out, starring yeah. Hilary Duff. Uh, it's premiering Are early you sure January. It isn't Mike Myers, and it's called "How's Your Father." <laughs> How to marry uh, an no, ex? How to marry an ex? I don't know. What okay, How's your father so is. I <laughs> uh, love the original Matrix. I'm going to get us back there. I love okay. the original Matrix. No, these rabbit holes are about what the Matrix is. <laughs> yeah, Joe. We're actually we're doing a meta Matrix review by a, not talking about the Matrix yeah. and living in the Matrix. I found the sequels uh, very diminishing returns. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think I went common, to see the second sentiment. one and I did not see the third one. So I had to watch a YouTube okay, video well, that was that a mistake. Brought up the three. Yeah. Films and kind of filled me in, yeah. Uh, before I went, so, but I was very, I had a lot of of, of good vibe and and hope for this film because mm-hmm. they've had so long to craft a story that would be compelling for a, a reason for it to be revisited. That's I think probably the, a which, fallacious way of looking at what happened. The Wachowskis <laughs> have said famously, we have no intention of ever revising this series. So, yeah, so when, they didn't have a long time to think about it because they yeah. never wanted to do it. And when it, uh, I think just a couple of years ago, a few years ago, pre-pandemic, it was, it was you know, August yeah, 20th, just prior, told us that yeah. we are going to have a new Matrix mm-hmm. film on the strength of the John Wick films. You know, uh, Keanu Reeves is, is, is bigger than he's ever been sure, yeah. I was excited yeah, yeah. I, I and I thought I, I was I was trepidatious about it and then I was subjected to the trailer and I say that because I never voluntarily wished to view this trailer because I knew I was going to see the movie no matter what we've talked about this before but after seeing the trailer I was like this looks fucking badass now I too was a huge fan of the original as if you go back in episode four you probably hear us talk about it I've probably seen it 50 times mm-hmm. um that's up there with School of Rock for you. Yeah, maybe School of Rock more. Narrow margins, though. Mm-hmm. In 2003, I forced my mom to take me to see Reloaded and Revolution. Mm-hmm. Underwhelmed by them at the time. 
rewatched them again during lockdown, liked them quite a bit. Yeah. Thought they aged fairly well. Um, Much like the gentleman who did the uh, Alamo Draft House pre-show. He said he okay, was, it, was so like, it was like an interview with how has the Matrix changed your life. Yeah. And he said in this, did you go to the no, Alamo? I didn't, no. He was talking about, he had the exact same response. The, yeah. the second two weren't as good as the first one, but when you rewatch well, them, you can really kind of dig I in a little bit more. You know, if I'm get, you know, I didn't go to see the Alamo pre-show. I actually watched this only on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did, and I'm a little disappointed. We, we, in that, we sort of, we sort of stumbled towards doing this, so I didn't have as much time to plan going to the theater for this one i'm like i'll just do it at home but you know i think one of the things that you can never replicate is the uh, sort of that shock or surprise of that first film and the conceit when it unfolds it's like it's such a great premise it's such a great idea I watched the first one again. I did not rewatch the two sequels in between. The, That'd you know, be a tall order. Um, but I rewatched the first one in part to watch it with my daughters because sure. I decided, okay, I know it's R, but it's, 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 time. it's a violent R. And they know that, you know, screen violence, they've seen enough superhero movies at this point to know that people die. They it's don't really die. You know, it's screen violence too. It's not Guillermo del Toro. I mean, I can, I can make all the excuses I want, but I'm, I'm an American and I'm okay with my kids watching violence. Of but, course. but the point is introducing them to this. And I could see, especially with my 12 year old, the light bulb going off. Of, whoa. Like when, you know, when it's revealed and like, wait, why is he in this? Who, he, what? Yeah. He's in a, oh, he's in a simulate. Okay. You know, like all those light bulb moments of, those revelations and oh wait now that he knows it's all just code he can manipulate it and he can do these you know it's a wonderful like unfolding of this parallel universe idea and as we discussed in episode 40 it holds up it holds up since night oh absolutely yeah it is still one of the greatest action movies ever yeah sure sci-fi right so you have on top of the great sort of conceptual stuff Really great visual stuff. Yeah, um, it, it's going to be impossible to recapture the lightning in a bottle that was the experience of a film like The Matrix coming out of nowhere. Because okay, some people had seen Bound and like it. I'm not saying that Bound didn't have its fans, but nobody was thinking, oh, these people n- named the Wachowskis are going to come out with this huge franchise, franchise-defining mm-hmm. film that's going to turn into this huge phenomenon. Like, no, I was blindsided. I remember a friend coming to me in college and being like. Oh, I just saw this movie called The Matrix. We should really go watch it again. He wanted to go see it again. He's yeah. like, "You should really come with me." And I Utterly remember going rewatchable. and loving it. And, you know, me seeing it the first time in the theater and being like, "You are absolutely one hundred percent right. That's the best action film I've seen in many years on the big screen." Yeah, it's going to be hard to top that. It's going to be hard to match that. Yeah, it's going to be hard to add to it to get. The light bulb moments from that original conceit. Yeah. yeah. How do you I mean, alter I think you, and change? I think you the, have to give up mm-hmm. on thinking you're going to be able to. And, sure. and luckily, I don't think that this film was trying for that kind of thing. I don't think so either. And one thing I will say is, while on the one hand, I am slightly disappointed that I didn't see it in a theater, but I'm also so glad that I didn't see it in a theater because it's a movie that elicited audible responses from me over and over again. The Matrix Resurrection. Like the guy I um, saw uh, sitting next to me at Spider-Man. Uh, probably. <laughs> the guy who's like, yeah, holy yeah, yeah, shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not quite that loud, but like, I was like, uh, I was like, there's the Merovingian. That, like, and you know, I was like, holy shit, Priyanka Ch- Chopra looks exactly like the Oracle from the, this is fucking crazy, you know, like, uh, 
I really, really liked this movie. I really liked it. I'm just gonna we're gonna get to it's we're on 15 minutes into this and yeah. we haven't said how we felt about it. I really fucking liked this movie. And yes, I'm a massive fanboy and wildly biased. Uh, so I But you're also a jaded type of person who I could have seen I came into this room tonight thinking there was a good I'd say 50-50 chance that you were going to come on hard against hard this film against I thought it was okay. going to be a hard so, I came so, in thinking there's going to be a fight tonight so here's here's what I like about it uh, and, and this comparison seems very on the nose given the first film but The Matrix to me is like the rage against the machine of blockbusters people love it but they don't always fully understand what's happening with it. Like whenever people were saying that Tom Morello needed to like just stick to music, it's like, bro, do you know anything about the band well, that he's I from? Mean, look at look at the <laughs> way know? that Red Pill has been used sure. by and large on the internet. Yeah, and, you know, like I mean, it's definitely something that people read different things into it, and I think many times interpreting in ways that I don't think the Wachowskis would ever want no. them to be and, interpreted. And I could see this movie being interpreted erroneously as well or somewhat dangerously um i will say I, I you know i thought about that at the end or whatever but i love how cheeky this movie is how meta the first, it is i don't care even if you end up hating this movie and i know this has been a somewhat divisive film i've, I've, has, I've combed oddly. over reviews but the first half hour 45 minutes i think are really fun if you're willing to go with it, because it's showing a great sense of humor about the franchise. Yeah, bullet time, yes. Like all the, this, the, I mean, the pitch, the the pitch meetings or whatever, the the yeah. brainstorm meetings that they're having for the video game, because they're going to make a fourth Matrix, a sequel to the video game. To games. the video game. Lena Wachowski telling Warner Bros. to go fuck themselves, basically, like in the screenplay that they greenlit and gave yeah. money to, yeah, like yeah, yeah. this whole thing of like, no one should ever make this. You're never going to capture the original, like right. you know. Uh, being forced, like the whole conversation between Mr. Anderson, I I don't love that they changed it to Tom, like uh, yeah. his like business partner slash boss, I guess is the Agent, Agent Smith, Smith, yeah, yeah. Um, played by Jonathan Groff this time instead yeah, of instead of Hugo, Hugo Weaving, Weaving, which is also you know would have loved to see Hugo Weaving back, but I understand. Now that you was know. a scheduling thing, from what I understand. Okay, they wanted Weaving back. And he was willing to do it, but he had already committed to some other projects and they weren't okay, able okay. to make it line up. So they're like, you know what? We're already rewriting or we're replacing some of these other characters. Replacing we'll Morpheus the same thing. with uh, Yaya, um, Ale Matisse. Who we just saw in uh, Candyman. I probably fucked and, his name up. Yeah, um, I think I've heard Yahia, but. Okay. Either way, he's fucking Watchmen, great as yeah, the new no, he's, Morpheus. He's fucking great. I love him. I like him. him a lot, yeah. Um, Carrie Ann Moss still fucking crushing it. Uh, Which, and, and it gives her a different approach because she in this new Matrix is just is Tiffany. a soccer mom of Suburban sorts. Suburban mom. Named Tiffany, right? Except she rides motor, builds motorcycles. Which and, is pretty, and is obsessed with them. Which yeah, is no, pretty they, badass. They, they, they definitely show there's like still a trinity-ness to her. There's still some foundational But she's a much part. softer, kind of much less uh, all-knowing character yeah, than what yeah. we see in the original trilogy. Yeah, and... and Okay, so I loved the cheekiness of it. I loved the meta-ness of it. I loved the giving the finger to uh, Brothers, to yeah. Warner Brothers, to the idea of reboots, uh, the Merovingian yelling about squandering the chance at a sequel to a franchise and all this stuff when they're fighting. I thought that was great. It's mm -hmm. it, it was so much fun to see like 
references, like all the all the references, and just straight up clips from the original uh, trilogy. Yeah, I loved the Bugs character. Really liked her. I think she was the strongest. Well, of you the know new they're cast. building that into the new Space Jam franchise, oh, right? God, yeah. You know it's going to cross, cross over. over yeah. yeah, but hopefully, hopefully by that point. We'll have uh, we'll have Giannis. Yeah, yeah, we'll have Giannis as the, okay. as the lead, or maybe give <laughs> as us long Devin as Booker. As long as it's I'll not a, Kyrie Irving. As long <laughs> as it's not Kyrie, it, it'll be Devin Booker. Put a Mexican in Space Jam. That's what we all need. Uh, but I, th- I I thought her character was really strong. Jada Pinkett coming back is nice. Uh, the makeup costuming of her was a little iffy, but yeah. I'll, I can roll with it. You know, yeah. I can roll with it. Um, and then. Also, just like the whole storyline being, you know, a slightly more human story and less like boldly, gigantically existential is the original one. You know, it's just yeah. about love and like connecting with the people that you love the most. And well, then, yeah, and it's not um, this like huge war against man and machines. I mean, the, the, as as the original yeah, trilogy somewhat. ended, I mean, there's yeah, but it's not. I mean, like there are machines that are totally in cooperation. I mean, but ultimately, a machine is trying to prevent Neo's happiness. Right. A very important program, the analyst, is trying to create this wedge for you know the reason seems to be that when. You put these two characters to get these two people together yeah. in that setting, it tends to disrupt things. And and mm. so he's found if you just keep them kind of close, <laughs> but not allow them to actually be together, then there's like the it actually has a positive effect on energy generation if we're using it just for that. So he's trying yeah. to maximize the efficiency of things by keeping these characters just enough apart. Yeah. Which um, was a big critique of the original franchise is that human bodies would mm-hmm. be a wildly inefficient way of generating energy. Like you could get more from a potato than like a, a human body or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. guess this is them kind of like being but like, that hey. wouldn't, that wouldn't be half as cool if they were pulling no. potatoes it wouldn't be out of even the slime roughly pods. as It wouldn't be right. a fraction. Although if they cool. could, if they could sell me on sentient potatoes <laughs> being exciting, that would be it. That unless would be a feat. That would be a surprise. Unless that would it starred Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> and now we've got but, a you movie. Know, I, but that's another thing. Maybe. That's another thing where Lana's kind of like pointing at you and being like, I said, I heard, I heard the the things that people said about the originals. I feel like Joe's being quiet here. I want to, I want to hear what Joe has to say. Oh no. I um, feel that this was a sequel for sequel's sake. I believe that there was nothing new here. I believe that like a video game sequel, you, the developers of that sequel have got so much time to use new technologies so that the new outfall, so that the new, Red Rock Redemption. I'm probably saying Red, Red Dead, Dead Redemption. Redemption. Yeah, so that the new Call of so Duty close. is so much better. I just keep one ear to my kid's door. I, I you know, I, I, they can, <laughs> they're doing what they're doing in there uh, to make it a better thing. This, I, I had the opposite reaction to the cheekiness of the meta part of it. I felt like it didn't fit in with the rest of the movie. You know that millennials love meta. Sure, sure. I feel like the Venn diagram of people that had seen Spider-Man and saw this was probably a pretty thick overlap, although I know that, Carlos, you haven't seen Spider-Man yet. And Spider-Man was such a satisfying, has a lot of flaws. We haven't talked about it on the show yet. I hope that we can someday. 
uh, flawed, but so audience satisfying. Well, it's there fan was service. not a lot of. This is not fan service. No, this is not anyone's service. It's it's. Hmm. Because, I think it's the I think it's the franchise. It's, it's not it's not fan service because Keanu Reeves barely has any of his cool powers, and the only power that he does really flex a lot is putting his hands out to alter the code in, yeah, in our isn't... eyes, which is not very cinematically interesting. As opposed to the awesome kung fu and the awesome well, I was gonna fight say, sequences, this, this one definitely dials down the action. It's interesting. See, I don't well, know. He's like, fifty four now. Yeah, okay, but but we've but just John watched Wick three John Wick films that have told soon. me well, that true. he is fully capable, and they're yeah, about to make a fourth one. That's that's no, true, I, th- there's nothing about this being physical limitations right now of Keanu Reeves. This is a this is a conscious choice on the part of Wachowski that's fair. That's to, fair. Right. to decide to dial back the action. So when you say perfunctory or what I can't remember the term, but like this is an obligatory a sequel for like, sequel's sake, that's Spider Man. If if we're gonna get that way, then what you just said, tell I feel him, like Dave, tell no, but I, I feel like it's a much more think, accurate rendering of the Spider Man syndrome aren't than it is the movie. At the end of the day, audiences aren't really enjoying the movie. No, this the, is a divisive film. You have yeah. a lot of people who love it, and you have a lot of people who and, really hate and it. And I don't think that the lore of the Matrix which is really the biggest missed opportunity here, is that since the original Matrix came out, there is a whole group of people that believe that while the Matrix wouldn't isn't isn't real in the way that it's being presented the idea that we are being manipulated the idea that if you open your eyes if you take a red pill Mm -hmm. that you can see through some of the bullshit the lore of the matrix really isn't even explored or expanded upon here strongly disagree with that yeah let me let me hear it because i knew i was going to be walking i thought david as opposed to you i thought i was going to be walking into a really unfriendly room for a negative opinion on this film well what tell me well you are wrong about it but it's okay uh the this is this is the matrix for our particular moment in culture right now i mean what what this movie is exploring and because of especially because of where revolutions left off like in revolutions man and machine make peace like it's the oracle and the architect sitting down saying like we are now ushering in a time of peace y'all can go free anybody who wants to be freed like nobody's going to come after you like Mm -hmm. but you know the new the matrix has been rebooted and we're going to you know everything's going to be all right you know people Uh, choose to be the battery in, in a pod, uh, yeah. I right. mean, because you, you know, you're given the choice, and mm-hmm. like there is a certain amount of like, you know, predetermination versus like free will kind of examination at play here. Like, you know, whenever you show somebody like Neo the choice, it's not much of a choice, is it? Mm-hmm. But then, what this movie is exploring is the idea that there are people that are okay with this, like mm-hmm. that a lot of people aren't interested in questioning it that even if bugs came up to them and told them like not everything is what you think they'd be like all right well i drive a mercedes yeah. and you know like, my life quote unquote is good enough for me to not this steak pull tastes the delicious i mean it's it, you know that this actually, is basically an extrapolation of cypher's character from the first one that actually brings up i know it's it's totally related, but it is a little bit of an offshoot where it was actually while we were watching the first movie that, you know, Adela was kind of making that point to be like, you know, well, why would you choose to get out? It's a lot better in the Matrix than it is outside. Whenever you're outside the Matrix and you're Shit in the real bad. world, it's terrible. It's Everything's bad. falling apart. It's crazy. It's like, you know, terribly dangerous. Why don't you just stay in the pod and live a good life? Mm-hmm. But 
it that's when it struck me, and I was like, why didn't they ever tap into the like get some people who are really having rough lives? Like, what about people who are homeless, struggling, who are they like? Why are none of them the ones who get awakened into the real world who then, because they would actively want to resist. It's like, hey, this matrix is a really shitty system mm-hmm. that was built up to elevate certain people and then other people aren't. As, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it that's, kind that's of, fair. Well, it, it just made me think like there's an ideological critique that did not get tapped into by the Wachowskis at all. This film doesn't do that. It doesn't correct that. It, well, it doesn't be, I feel like what you would get bogged down in at that point is like, why is the code written this way for there to be such great economic disparity between people? Well, they do talk about in the original that they have to write it so that things are bad because people won't believe it. They won't, they would reject the matrix. They tried to make it all. The matrix was perfect and a utopia and the human brain couldn't handle it. Right. So So there needs to be strife. There needs, so I get that. And I don't know. It's It's a very interesting uh, problem of evil. Explore it to like or I guess thought experiment of the problem of evil I mean it's yeah. a huge thing that comes yeah. up when you're debating religion and right. stuff like that or whether God is or is not real yeah. and I guess the matrix kind of explains like hey maybe God is real and he had to do this shit or whatever you know but <laughs> uh, but no I, I mean you know because like and the the analyst says it in like no uncertain terms that the um Uh, you know, he refers to the people that are plugged in as sheeple like a hundred times, which is uh, that that part might be the on the nose bit that kind of maybe trouble not troubles me, but kind of makes me do a double take. I'm like, oh, okay, we're using Fox News rhetoric to like <laughs> you know, which I get why. In one but, of Neil Patrick Harris's big exposition uh, exposition drops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I mean, look, if you've seen any Matrix movie, there are ex- there has to be you exposition to. drops. Like, it'd be an indecipherable film otherwise yeah. for ninety nine point nine percent of moviegoers. Right. I don't know. Uh, I think that the pharmaceuticals that he was giving the Matrix version of Keanu Reeves was pretty on the nose. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, well, and he doesn't explain that. I mean, that drops. that one is no, but th- that, but you that do is very when, on the nose. when he needs to explain to him that oh, I am in charge here i'm doing these things. like yeah. you're you and know. that's and 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 that's part of the first like 30 45 minutes that's like really calling back to the first movie and like that's the whole the whole first act of the film is basically hey you remember these other ones yeah. you know yeah. but but in a way where it's like it's it knows that it's doing that it's uh, I think I think the difference between this and Spider-Man and why Spider-Man is more of a sequel for sequel's sake is I think the in- explicit intent of Spider-Man is to please the audience. Yeah. It's not to make the film as interesting or as good as it could be. It's to show people, and it's the same way that the Avengers was this way. It's like, look at all these people together in the same place. Oh, Don't you love this? Of course. You yeah. know, and whereas the Matrix is not the that. big boom is going to be even bigger this time. Sure. Audience that yeah. wants to see big booms. Yes, but with the Matrix. They could have, if if anyone other than a Wachowski had taken this over, it would have been that. It mm. would have been. Remember all this stuff that you love. Here it is. It would have been the. That's for, exactly it what this film. It would have been Carlos. the Force Awakens. Though no, we're going to show you film clips from what you love. But it's a. But the film is a commentary on that type of thing. The film is pointing it out so directly and mm. commenting on it so directly that it's and and then doing something different. It's with a critique and a satire. Then if you saw something different with the story, we saw two different films. I saw nothing innovative about the story. Nothing. Well, innovative and different are different. We're back things. at the dojo, yeah, but it's not quite as good. We're 
we we see the same machines doing the same things. Right, but it doesn't turn into the same war is what I'm saying. Like it takes it in a different direction. And then that, I guess and I guess the, the, the trip of the film is that Neo isn't the one that Trinity is just as much the one as yep. Neo is. Yep. And there but could even be a matrix. different the one. Yeah. It's a different oh, no, matrix. that's not my criticism. It's a different world. They give Trinity that power, I think literally in the last six minutes of the film. Yeah. Yes, well, I because, mean, because they subvert it and she saves him. In the original trilogy, he pulls a he right. uses He's his crazy matrix powers and with pulls you. a bullet out of her chest. Mm-hmm. So we're making this movie for a new generation for a new different time. Mm-hmm. And that is different than yeah. the first. If Neo had saved her just like he had done in the previous movies, that would be a literal rehashing of the original right. trilogy. Yeah, I'll, not, def- I'll definitely give you that. But I'm just saying not that, that, I'm saying God, that, they could have explored that a lot more than they did. Rather, well, it was just the helicopters are coming and let's do a thing. I mean, I think they're trying to do a lot in this. I mean, it's, yeah. it's there's a lot to tackle. Like, and, they, and if there's anything that we know about the Wachowskis post The Matrix, it's that they have unfathomable unfathomably large ambitions oh yeah they, of course yeah they turned in a 700 plus page screenplay for jupiter ascending yeah like they expected that to be eight films yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and so i think that knowing how for lack of a better word ambitious these filmmakers are together or separately yeah it makes sense that you know there would be so much that would be attempted in this film and like look, i mean i i we're probably getting a sequel you know like uh, there's a good oh, chance i mean no. it feels like it's set up that way i got i gotta say i left this feeling like geez if they don't follow up on what they've set up here and and i would help and i would hope that would blossom into something very different honestly like i think you could take it into some weird directions and based on what i've seen um, you know, again, it was still them as pairs d- doing with uh, Cloud Atlas and Jupiter Ascent. I mean, like, yeah. based on what I saw them do since, I I think there's some great potential to really do some things that you would never expect. Why was w- with... the second sister not involved? I didn't uh, do any scheduling. research on it. Was it scheduling? I, and I think it was disinterest. I think it was more, from what I heard, uh, Lana or Lena w- was just like, because... D- the interviews say death of parents and and a yeah. close friend like so, all happened okay. and then she's like within you like know, a short period of time what would i be able to do i could bring back these characters to life and i could have them you know live this new and, and so yeah. like there was in, this interest in reincarnation it was and, it was dad friend mother short period right. of time yeah. and then like a fever dream lane yeah. had this idea I'm like yeah. well i can bring my created mom and dad neo and trinity back right but Lily was finishing a Showtime show that she's oh, doing. Oh, that's right, with Julia Sweeney. And, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. stated that she wanted to kind of take a little bit of a break away yeah. from the industry and kind of like process the grief and like yeah. get back to herself again. And so I hope that Lily and Lena together do the next one. If they do, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the box office on this is not incredible it's not tanking but it's not but it's not making the kind of money but it's also a dual platform it's also on hbo max at the same time and i know that isn't a total nail in the coffin but it it, i mean i think in most cases it has depressed box office results you know i i hear where you're coming from joe and i and having looked over some of that i think for people who are hoping for something that amps up from what the matrix had been or like makes it even 
Richer. More intense. No, no, Richer. I think this makes. It, I think Richer. I think Richer is is maybe accurate for this. What happened? But that like amps it up. That takes the action to a new level. That takes the, you know, the the nesting doll version to more nesting dolls or something. I don't think you're not going to get that. And mm-hmm. and I think people who are wowed by the coolness of those, uh, certainly the first film, but yeah. maybe even went along for those sequels. This doesn't have that. This isn't that cool of a movie. I mean, I get like it's not as this, cool. Though no. this movie is kind of nerdy and in, in it's incredibly nerdy in a like nerd way, not in a we're nerds pretending to be cool way like the the early films were. This is just kind of a we're gonna wear on our sleeve that we're we're nerds and that we actually were kind of behind the idea of love and togetherness and we want to put out this other kind of message and not have it be quite as bogged down in this kind of war mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it is doing some interesting different things. I was not like, you know, this is not a, uh, we don't have a rating scale on the film. This is not like the top tier. This isn't going to be in my top five films of the year. Certainly it wouldn't be in my top 10 probably. It's in my top 10. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. I, but it's probably... You know, in the it's definitely in the group of films that I would recommend people see this year. Good. This movie was made for people who fucking love The Matrix. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's what it is. I mean, look. Uh, but I think you mean the entire trilogy. I said The Matrix. Okay, because I love well, The and, Matrix. And but you should also the, include in there. The there were video games and the Animatrix, and the, I mean, you know. there was all this stuff that I never tapped into that I did read a little bit about, just because it filled out all these different aspects of the lore. Yeah, the Animatrix was great. I played Enter the Matrix on my PS2. It was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there was a the Path of Neo. Was that another game? Yeah, I didn't play the stuff that expanded yeah. upon. Because and I the Matrix kind of Online, of, that was like a massively multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of out of playing video games for that point, but I, uh, yeah, I think just based on the reaction that I had to it, every ten minutes I was like, "Oh shit, that!" You know, I like mm-hmm. I kept like saying stuff yeah. to myself or to Kylie, and be like, "Oh, that's like from when." Another so, thing that that takes us away from just being a simple rehash, very different look to this film. It did yeah. have the green W at the beginning, but that it's the, warmer. The green aesthetic did not. It's stick a lot in this warmer. Film. They definitely switched. Which I guess over. we attribute to the idea that this is a rebooted, different Matrix. It doesn't need to. Well, look and it's the so, same. and it's supposed to be a perceived happier time. Mm-hmm. I think I think the look does reflect kind of the themes that are at play here because i mean you know the the matrix revolutions is a definitively ended story i mean that movie ends you know and the story wraps um so i think this with the idea that you know we're going into this prosperous time and especially as like keen as jada pinkett smith's character niobe is to like maintain the peace and order and you know not rock the boat at all um it seems like everyone's kind of okay with what's going on, you know? So it makes sense for it to be a warmer film and to be a sunnier film and not everything takes place at night. I, I begrudge no kind of one's stuff. enjoyment of a movie that they enjoy. Good. This one just didn't hit for me. And, and I, I understand. I, and, and every single film I go to, I hope that it does. Mm-hmm. This one just didn't get there. And you're you're not alone. There are definitely other people who are... Kyle. Who are not feeling this way. Kyle Ferguson hated oh, it. Oh, yeah? Okay. I th- I'm pretty sure, mm. if, if, I, if I remember his Facebook well, post correctly. Listen, you, you know... Th- like you say, Joe, the, the, I don't begrudge, I don't uh, kink shame when it comes to whatever <laughs> people uh, are into. I happen to be into this one enough that, I, like I said, I recommend it. But 
I, I can see why somebody... It, it is not the same experience as those first Matrix films. I would honestly be really sad if it was as green as the originals. Well, me too. I mean, it but I'm just like saying... It would be like going back and looking at Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead and being like, dude, take the Instagram filter yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, you know? No, it was good. I mean, I think you need to bring in some change. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, w- when you sort of take 20 years, almost 20 years between films and you take some time to reevaluate and maybe you're not working on the script the whole time, but, you know, you're kind of letting it gestate. You tend to get a different product, um, whether it hits or not. That's another question. When you put something in a barrel and you age it for a few years um, or, or months. <laughs> that's just top tier broadcast. Wow. Right there, folks. You did it. You just, that was a master class. Where you, is he going? You should pay us money for that. Yeah. And you take it out of that barrel and you, and you take a little sip. It's going to have changed from what went in there initially. Yeah. This Imperial Porter aged in bourbon barrels, I said when we poured it, boy, I can smell the bourbon. You sure can taste it, and too. And boy, could I taste the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Man, a, this, this is a profoundly bourbon barrel aged uh, selection here. Yeah, yeah, 11.5 is high, but with that flavor of bourbon, I almost expect a higher ABV. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. I felt that this beer was as good as I didn't think that the Matrix was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a pair. I'm uh, washing was... the terrible taste. No, I'm kidding. Fair enough. Was, this is fantastic. Was, uh... This is a beer that I would love to get my hands on yeah. a, a, a half dozen of them and pull them out for special occasions when I really want to wow whoever I'm drinking with. This beer was 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 spot on. Yeah, I think I think it's uh I think it's a a pretty did we say well its name again? Executed. Yeah, Collective Art. It's it's just called Imperial Porter, uh, Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Porter. 2020 Bourbon Barrel Aged yeah. Imperial Pretty Porter. It sounds like they probably put out one a year. And be if I guess. lived nearby, this would be one that I definitely Where are they to from, get. does it say? Stowe, Vermont. Yeah, yeah. Vermont. Uh, future mm. vacation spot for me, hopefully. You've mentioned Delicious. this. Desperately trying to convince Kylie to go there. She is not it'll interested happen. in it at all. Oh, it'll happen. Thank you for uh, making this Collective Stowe, Arts. Uh, you made the world a better place to live. Ben and Jerry's, The Alchemist. Aren't they all there? It, yeah, and now and now you have one other collective arts that yeah, you can. Fucking a, man, what push a place in. to go. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, where are we going to go in the second half of this episode? We're going to go somewhere that you are not expecting, especially because I know that nobody that listens to this podcast reads the description of the episode or even looks at the episode title. The <laughs> <laughs> elation at the idea of a new beer in a movie episode overwhelms our listeners so much that they That's don't right. even look. They That's just new episode play. Yeah, and so smash that play button as soon as we come back from this very brief uh, pause. You will be floored at how the mental gymnastics we are doing to pair these two <laughs> these two films together. When we come back. Right, and and we as as Carlos kind of teed us up. We're, we we have a connection here that I don't know what, what our listeners are going to think about the, the connection we're trying to make, but it's going to be obvious with this beer that we're pairing it with. What film it is that we're going to be diving into here? Um, I don't know, Carlos. Do you want to introduce this? You're the guy who actually held on to this for. But you were the one that procured it. I did. I did. Um, okay. This in, the, is, in the great beer purge of 2021, it <laughs> found its way into my fridge. 
and, and and stayed there for a few months. This is this has some age on it, folks. So um, you know, excuse us on that. But it, but Carlos, I think held out appropriately because uh, well, you'll know soon. This is from Three Sons Brewing. They are out of uh, Dania or Dania Beach, Florida. Dania, Dania. Um, I think it was longer than. When did you purge your beer fridge? Sorry. It was like last spring. So that around like February. Like, 2021. Bottles. Yes. Because this was canned in, in January 2020. No, no. 11. It's uh, nope, says November. Well, look look at mine. Yeah, 11, 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So... So November oh, like of 2020. Shit. So we're we're about a year <laughs> a old year, on this. Yeah. But you know, it's not the hoppiest of beers. It is a Belgian style white ale with orange peel. It is called Clockwit Orange. Mm, eh? Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Um, well, we're gonna get this. So a Belgian style ale, much like uh, you know, Belgian wit, uh, that that I feel like we've had this style on the it's got a nice before. it does have a nice head on it, some very fine bubbles in there. It's lacing really nicely to the glass. Mm. It has a nice kind of subtle aroma to it. Good yeah. golden color. Not as much banana as I feel like I get sometimes on like a on a Belgian white, um, but definitely the orange. Overall, just from the look and smell mm. of it, seems to be a well brewed beer. Let's see how it tastes. Yeah. Well, even the label art on this, the, the name great. Clockwood Orange, is riffing on. The um, the title and and the uh, logo for the film A Clockwork Orange, right? Which is what what we're pairing this with, and you know the thinking here being, well, for one one thing, we've had this beer and we've wanted to do A Clockwork Orange for months now, thinking, yeah. okay, well, we have the perfect beer to pair it with. I don't think we've ever done Kubrick on the show. You... That's insane. No, that's not true, right? I we think did... it is true. I'll double really? check while we keep going. You're, you may be right. We okay. didn't do The Shining. You you spoke on The yeah, Shining. Yeah, okay, that's right. Maybe that's what I'm I'm getting stuck in my craw is that uh, we, we've riffed on that a few times. Okay, maybe we haven't. No, we did 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, okay, good. Okay. All right. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought we had... Okay, sense. so, but this movie. is going to be our second visit to Stanley Kubrick. That was uh, back in episode 95, by the way. Thank you, Joe. Thank I would you, like Joe. to do more of his stuff because there are a lot of... Uh, holes in my Kubrick viewing. Doctor Strange Love, Eyes Wide Shut. Wow, Um, that's a lot of holes. Was this a hole? Full Metal Jacket. You had seen The Clockwork Orange? I have seen this one. Okay. I grew up a punk. You have to see it. You know? Uh, (laughs) You were a droog. I think, yeah, before I ever saw the film, I remember looking in Thrasher and uh, what, whatever other music and skateboarding Probably magazines were to around. at some point. Well, that had like, you know, they would have these uh, t-shirt ads, like you mm. could you could send away for t-shirts yeah. and band shirts, but uh, almost always there would be some Clockwork clock Orange shorts, logo. Uh, shirts in there uh, as, as options. I'm familiar with the soundtrack yeah. too. So. Yeah, right, right. Even if I hadn't seen it up until this point, well, it's kind of like The Matrix. I, I mean, store, you, I would have. It's one of those films that permeated the pop culture zeitgeist for a long enough time. The ultra violence. Its reverberations yeah. were still being felt. Like I was 
born seven years after this film got released. And I still, it yeah. was a presence. As a, yeah. I, I saw it for the first time when I was working at a video store. It was my very first job. And there was, I think I might even told Did you put it on before. in the store? No, never put it on in the store. That might have been <laughs> frowned upon. But I would imagine it, uh, that would be wildly If you worked upon. a shift, any movies that hadn't been rented, you could take them home and watch as long as you got them back before opening right. the next day. Okay. And that was really where I began a big film kind of education. Mm-hmm. And the Clockwork Orange had a reputation of being one that your parents aren't going to want you to see. Yeah. It was yeah. banned. It was banned in many, many countries. You didn't watch There's... this with uh, your daughters? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Do, I didn't take the opportunity. Although I was remembering, it was not that far off. I was in eighth grade, and I remember when I you had first saw this. Yes, I had a science teacher who we, me and some friends, and he, like we all loved The Simpsons, oh, and okay. we were talking about The Simpsons, and they had done a reference to Clockwork Orange oh, in an episode. Uh, when Bart was dressed up like them in a he, Treehouse of Horror, I think. It might have yeah. been. And uh, and and I remember him saying like, oh, you know, you would really like that movie. Yeah. Knowing I had an offbeat sensibility and that I, I liked some odd things. <laughs> I mean, and of course I took that as an opportunity to then A ask, challenge. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, could I see a Clockwork Orange? And I, I mean, did. we have yeah. talked on the show many times about how like the coding of sexuality in film for for me and maybe David was catching a glimpse of some boobies on, you know, late night porky well, yeah, show on, pre, on HBO or whatever. Pre internet that was how I you just, saw those things. I just recall seeing this movie for the first time and being massively shocked given my upbringing, given, you know, I mean, it is, the movie's shocking today. I mean, the movie is still shocking. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, of course, it was banned in many countries. And I think Well, Stanley just, Kubrick voluntarily pulled it from the UK. Yeah, he was receiving death threats. Uh, well, not just that, but people were going out and committing violent crimes, like copycat rape, crimes. And s- while singing, singing in the rain. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like, it was so inarguably tied to the film that, you know... Though, yes, protesters outside his house had a lot to do with it as well, but he voluntarily was like, okay, yeah, not showing this here, you know? Right, right. Well, so uh, synopsize someone, uh, synopsize it for us. Do we... Yeah. How do you synopsize a film that has six acts? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it's fair... You know, you're following main character, Alex DeLarge, who's 15, is supposed to be 15, (laughs) though played by a 27-year-old Malcolm McDowell, who looks Looks more like... a little bit like Anthony Michael Hall at times. That's interesting. I, I think I more more the reverse. I would think if I saw either of them, well, I'd be like, sure. okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, it, you know, iconic role. And you know, starting the film as a member of a small gang who are just you know Love pretty milk. pretty much yes, right? Uh, doctored milk, milk that has different drugs added to it. Yeah. The one that they like is the one that has uh, adrenochrome and uh, <laughs> yeah. the, s- slightly hallucinogenic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They go out for a night of. PCP laced milk, and then they go out on crime sprees. Right, and so you know we we see them beating senselessly a homeless man. We see them breaking and enter or breaking into a home, and and uh, you know terrorizing the people in the home. Mm-hmm. We see them fighting with another gang, r- fighting with another gang, comically. So you know we, we see them. These are some of the worst characters out there, right? I mean, even amongst the gangs, they're 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 pretty bad. Um, but. Then we see him get caught, and Betrayed. in part, in part because his gang turns against him because he is too controlling of mm-hmm. them, and and you know he kind of sets his Somewhat up his own demise, right? Yeah. Trying to be a little too in charge and unwilling to let the others have a say. Um, goes to prison. In prison, becomes aware of a 
process that's available to him, kind perhaps. Like experimental new process. Yeah, the Ludovico uh, pr- process. That, yeah. uh, Ludovico method. Method. That, that was going to be the name of the film. Potentially allow him to leave early um, and obviously leaving prison early when he has a 14-year sentence to serve is, is an appealing thing. He goes undergoes the process. The process makes him revolted by any... Sex or violence. Time that violence or sex comes into his view. Or also, Beethoven's ninth. Also, <laughs> Beethoven, yeah, right. Also, Sully's <laughs> Beethoven for him, which is a love of his. And uh, so then he has to try to live in the world for a time under this these restrictions. Um, we see what happens then. And then, uh, you know, we kind of get to a point where he gets so desperate that he tries to off himself. But uh, but a change happens then. So Yeah, which, I mean, by that point, you're in... The, you're at the end of the movie. Yeah, you're like sure. last like 30, 20, 20, 30 minutes. I think you made it under 90 seconds with that. Okay. Good job, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an, it's an interesting movie. Um, I mean, I like this movie as anybody else does. It's not one of my favorites. I think after seeing it again as a, you know, slightly older man, um, I've come to terms with that. I want to like it a lot more than I do because visually it's stunning and there are some crazy visual choices that get made in this. Like the very beginning of the film, it's, you know, it pulls out on this almost like kind of fresco of the life that Alex and his droogs lead, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody's still, everything is, the set design is insane. And actually it reminds me, or you can say it the other way around, but since we started by talking about a clockwork orange, it reminds me a lot of the power video, uh, that Kanye West did that does literally the exact same thing. It starts on him and it pulls out and there's all these angels and all this other stuff. And that's the whole video is one big dolly shot, just like the beginning of this movie, though slightly longer. Um, but I think, I mean, there's like, like punks love this movie, right? Like the addicts base their whole like aesthetic on it. There's a punk venue in San Antonio called the Corova, uh, which is the milk bar they go to, which is the, the milk bar they go to. Um, and I remember seeing it probably as, you know, as a, a little older than David, but as a teenager still, and thinking like, oh, this movie's exciting. Like, you know, there's... I'm seeing things maybe I shouldn't see. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, you know, obviously being troubled by it at, yeah. at times. Sure. There are things that are you troubling. You should be troubled. There are things that Absolutely. are troubling by it, but not revolted by it. I was revolted by it this time. I and, was pretty revolted by it and that when I first saw it. In fact, Joe talking about how, you know, like seeing movies as an illicit way to see sexuality or nudity on screen. This is not one of those movies. Well, I'm going to say, like, you know, I was definitely at an age where those were things I was hoping for in films at times. You know, like I I would like if, you know, I stumbled upon Porky's late at night Mm -hmm. on uh, on cable or whatever. Seeing this film, there was never a moment where I was seeing the nudity. Oh, sorry. I was just, if we saw Porky's now, we might have problems with a lot of the content (laughs) in it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Uh, But (laughs) seeing this movie is the Ludovico method. Yeah, seeing the movie then, it was like, uh, you know, it, it, it inspired like the, okay, that's nude body, but my God, there's no this part is not of me appealing. that is like, this is not erotic. you know, you're talking this. like five minutes into the movie is when you see a woman being aggressively manhandled and preparing to be raped by 
this group of guys yeah. who that this is the other gang that they fight with. I mean, it's a pretty Billy Boy or inten- like Billy that. Boy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty intense scene. Yeah, um, it's not, it's and not it's good. just as nasty as they come. I mean, yeah, I think Thank th- God they show up and she can get away. Sure, <laughs> that one happens to, f- to escape, and then, right. it, but, then and, are... but if but if you think for a second that Alex and his droogs are somehow like protagonists in this, you find out very quickly thereafter that okay, no, but... they're just they're they're just as bad, if not worse. But right. Stanley Kubrick doesn't ne- doesn't really frame it that way. The thing that I find interesting about this movie is that I remember. I remember remembering this movie. Like that's it's that's how long it's been since I've seen it, you know? So mm-hmm. like I We were discussing that ahead of time. It's been at least 20 years for I think David and I both. Yeah. So I didn't just probably I, purposeful. I remember certain moments and I forgot a lot of other moments, but I don't remember hating Alex. I don't remember thinking Alex was terrible. I mean well, he, I I mean I remember thinking he was like a bad like guy or whatever, but at a certain point I mean, he is like in well, this a weird is his way. Film. It it's is a his first film. person narrated film. We get lots of voiceover yes, from lots him, of voiceover, but, framing everything for us. But Kubrick seems to like him. Like the way that it's framed is the way that he is framed is slight is way more sympathetic than you would expect. Like I, I think that I, I don't think that you're wrong, and I think that that is intentional. Yeah, and that's kind of troubling. I don't think I think as as a teen, when I was closer to his age, I certainly didn't like identify with him, or mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't know that I don't know that I, I agree or, that or, Kubrick likes, or I didn't, that, or what did you I, say? I, I didn't. Is sympathetic. Kubrick likes this character. I don't it know seems. that he does. I don't know that he does. I think whether I think I, I think I think what it is is I think that Kubrick finds this character interesting. And it comes off as a like light reverence in the way that he directs and frames the character because of that. I don't think Kubrick himself read this novel because it's a novel yeah. by Anthony Burgess. I don't know if we said that or not. Um, I don't know if Kubrick read this novel and said like, "Oh, I like this guy." No, he, I no uh, the opposite. Him. In fact, he read but, the op- he read the uh, novel and hated it. But I think that I think because he finds the character interesting. Mm-hmm that it manifested itself in the way he portrays him on screen as more positive than it should be. He's certainly not portrayed in a positive light, but he is portrayed in a sympathetic light at times. See, a lot of the time. I mean, I don't know. It's very odd. I, I found it very odd watching well, it. Well I think time. I think it's I think you're supposed to be troubled by it. I think it's I think I don't know I don't think he loves this character, but I think he sees this character as a very... Um, as a tool to tell a story. He, well, a, a tool to provoke thought. Yeah. A, to, a tool to get you thinking like, okay, so if a person like this exists, what can we do with this person? What can be done with this person? Can this person's nature be reversed? And what are the motivations can, What happens if you person? reverse that person's nature? What is? What are the ramifications if you cut off somebody from their humanity? This is his human instinct to be this way. In a world where we're seeing that it's common that people act this because way. Because people do act this way. Sure. And, and, and so if you remove if you remove the police state, there is a police state. In fact, two of the droogs we learn later while he's in prison become police officers. Mm-hmm. There's a police state. The police are called during the, the last assault on the older, the health. The cat lady. The cat lady. Mm-hmm. The, um, the police show up to arrest. Uh, yeah, that's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, but in the absence 
around in the in the with the notion that these gangs are roaming and they're mm. roaming freely. They're roaming in daylight. It's not just at nighttime. Then that's the society that he lives in. And like his apartment is really kind of tattered and like you know like who's. Not his actual apartment, the but his building. building. The, the, like, it's all tagged yeah, no, up. And right, like all yes. this, right. You know, it's not... He, he has two parents. He comes from a, a non-broken home. A nuclear family, yeah. Thank you. And But but his parents... Kubrick's showing you, like, it's not just that this is a jerk. And, like, the punks that like the movie may not get into the analysis of the whole thing. They're just happy to see guys breaking shit. You know what I mean? And I, and, and I think when you're closer to his age upon viewing... Closer to the age he's to he, represent. Yeah, like yeah. I, when you're a t- like a teen or like mm-hmm. you know in school, like he's obviously still in school. Like mm-hmm. that's like expressed through dialogue. Or whatever. The truancy officer that's probably been sexually abusing him. The, yeah, the p- parole uh, officer. But but uh, I think I think it, not that you identify with him because he obviously does cr- things that no, most uh, the majority of people would f- that do find repulsive and mm-hmm. would never do crimes for a reason. But I think that. You well, crimes without reason, really. Just well, no, but they, they, are, they are criminal. They are legally oh, yeah, 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 labeled yeah, 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 as crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. These are things that we're we never don't okay want. with rape. We're never no, no, okay no, with no, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, certainly never okay with the rape part. But I, but I think when you're when you're slightly younger, it's like hey, maybe I get in a brawl with. Uh, you know the well, like I said, that the that skinheads scene, at the show. Or well, whatever, that scene, you know? the Billy Boy scene, you almost do get this sense, like, okay, maybe they're the good gang in this world. Well, maybe sure. they're the ones who are, and, and then but, you find out quickly, no, they're not. Yeah. But also, there's a guy coming to tell him to go to school, and then like you know, people trying to tell him what to do and stuff. And so I think when you're younger, you see him as like, oh, he's just trying to do what he wants, and like, I, which which I, I guess I'm I not, don't know. I, but I'm he's not saying so, I'm not saying that in like yeah. in like a really like feel it strongly necessarily because yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously he does unredeemable things. I mean, don't get me, there is a charisma to the character. No I'm doubt. Not, I'm not, and that's what I find so no odd about it. I'm not going to say... he picks up the two girls at the record store. I mean, he's got charm. He's well, got... yeah, yeah. The crimes I'm, I'm, he's committing is because he wants to do it. Yeah, like, right. he is in... He's a child in school that lives with his parents. Yeah. He's not stealing be, to support and himself financially. And he explains that to the droogs. We can do anything we want to do. We yeah. need a car? We'll just take one. Yeah. yeah. He's you not... Want that woman? We'll just take her, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but also, women like him. Like, it, it, it's not like a... It's a... Every crime he commits is right. because he can. But he right. has he a did. different side. He, he he loves the Beethoven. He loves beauty. He loves art. He, the, the woman is singing at the milk bar and the the and the, right. and he, he's, the, the he one stopped, friend yeah. is yeah. jerking Dim. around. Yeah. He says, no, stop. Let's raise our glasses. He doesn't say this. stop. He whacks he him with a right. <laughs> but, but I But I guess it's like the criminal side of him is more analogous to like... Uh, the Joker than it is to um, maybe yeah yeah he just stealing to support his family he's, or you know whatever he's you causing know what I mean? mischief it's to like cause mischief some he's, men just want to watch the world burn yeah Alex wants to watch the world burn as Yet do his droogs as do his droogs but at the same time Alex is, because Alex is presented as so charismatic that's the part where it's like Stanley Kubrick kind of likes this guy well, I think like, you have to do and, that uh, to and pre- that's, you have to uh, present it as enjoyable to some level otherwise I mean you're just sitting there and then why is the movie paced so weird if it's supposed to be enjoyable because I think Movie he's telling you very really? odd pacing issues. I, think I, he, I heard you say that. I don't know. I found I, in rewatching it. I I find it to move along pretty pretty 
at a good clip. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't me. feel like there's a lot of time there where I'm just like it does move mm. at a good clip, but there isn't any tension until an hour and 45 minutes into it. I think it's because we're watching a Kubrick film and you can expect there to be levels, plenty of levels. So the punk rockers can enjoy it on this level, but as a an adult that watched it for the first time in two decades, I enjoyed this film on a level I never had before because I was really trying to pierce the, I'm watching this movie because everyone says that it's one of those movies thing. Mm. And most of Kubrick's movies come with that. Yeah. It's Shining is the best horror movie. 2001 is the best science fiction. They're all land breaking, they're groundbreaking. Ground they're all, to our, they're those all are valid changing cinema after their, like Pulp Fiction, after it came out, cinema changed, you know? Yeah. I mean, this movie Well, after Eyes Wide Shut came out, Christmas movies changed. Yeah. Sure, I mean, that was, yeah. sure. And, and, my, and, and mask parties that I go to certainly change. But especially no, these those are days. the same. <laughs> For me, it was, especially these days. For me, it was um, really trying to understand the deeper, deeper message here. And I was paying a lot of attention to scenes that I probably was a little bored with when I watched it when I was 16 years old or whatever it was. And uh, the the priest being the, the guy that says, look, if we're taking away a human's free will right. to commit yeah. a crime or not commit a crime, to act decently or act indecently, yeah. then that person loses their humanity. And when you watch Alex at the beginning, you say, that's a guy that doesn't deserve his humanity. Look at the horrible things yeah. that he's doing and the glee that he's taking in doing them. Mm-hmm. So it's an odd notion to feel sympathy for someone who... It, it, society, we could argue, is better off for him not being out there committing these crimes. Right. Yeah. But what has it done to him as an individual? And then is he a hero figure? Because at the end, when he receives back his ability to be a debaucherous, yeah. and we only see him be debaucherous in a dream sequence, we right. don't know if he's actually going to go back out and right. put on the jock, uh, the cup, of yeah, the, cod, the, piece. the yeah. cod piece over his white outfit which is such an easy Halloween costume to recreate. Um, there are so many great questions But, but such effective costuming in, in, in this it film. It is, yeah, it's very um, effective. I hear where you're coming from, Joe. I mean, I think, I think this is a film, as with many of Kubrick's films, that's much more interested in getting us to ponder such questions than it is in giving us pat answers to those questions. And I appreciate him for that. And and I hear where Carlos is coming from. It can I, I get it. There's a troubling dimension to the. I mean, certainly many troubling aspects to the Alex character. But one of them is that McDowell is a charismatic screen presence. There are times where he is clever and he he has these. Whether you know he's a funny guy, he has these funny turns of phrase. The the lingo itself that they use is kind of funny and mm-hmm. like a little quirky aspect of the film. Um, Definitely a big part of the book. Sure, makes yeah. Makes the book somewhat difficult. There's to a read. whole glossary that, yeah. that, at least in the version I read what, years ago. Um, but that said, I don't think it ever le- lets you feel very comfortable with being, like I said, from the get go, things that would normally have titillated me made me feel totally uncomfortable and upset with myself that I'm even almost like watching it and how do I how should I feel about it? I mean this is horrible why like why are you showing me this and then okay but I need to see this I need to 
And then later, when they're forcing him to watch those images, and then they're trying to imprint this bad feeling in him when he has it. Well, I already had the bad feeling. Isn't that like, is that enough? Do I already have this inside me? Is this something that he's lacking? Are they dehumanizing him by imparting this nauseating feeling? Because that's how I feel when I see those sorts sure. of things. You know, like there are just different moments in the film where I feel like. I hear what you're saying, Carlos, that it kind of switches gears at times, but I think every time it does, it's doing so with a great purpose and getting you to think about that thing that you saw one way at one point, and it kind of twists it around on you and makes you see it differently later, right? Like, when he's doing Singing in the Rain, well, he's, you know, the iconic scene where he's literally singing, singing in the rain, while he is beating this woman and this man who they've just invaded their home, um, totally undoing the feeling that's usually attached to that song, right? This gleeful sort of like uplifting song that if you have any attachment to Hollywood cinema, which this occurred to me while I was watching it last night, it was less than 20 years after Singing in the Rain came out that this came out, right? Singing in the Rain came out, I think it was 52. This was 71. 71. 50 years later, I'm watching Clockwork Orange it's way more in the past than Singing in the Rain. That was a recent film to, to Clockwork Orange. You sure. know what I mean? It's like The Matrix. It, it, yeah, right. You're taking this much beloved thing and you're totally twisting it and distorting it and turning it into this accident, revolting too. thing. On accident. Well, because it was something he improvised and they decided well, to yeah, keep in the Well, yeah, they just said like, hey, we need you to sing something. And he was like, well, it's like the only song I can right. sing off the top of my head. So... But it worked beautifully because then later in the film when he's there in the chair and they're doing the same thing to music he loves Mm -hmm. and found to be so uplifting, it's like you're watching the mirror image of what you just went through yourself as an audience member. I mean, I think the brilliance of Kubrick in delivering this film, um, it's thought-provoking on so many different sure. levels like it gets yeah. me to question my own morality mm-hmm. and how i feel about it. it's much better than funny games but it's doing some of the same stuff that funny games did uh, i'm getting blank looks here no the, funny games. no i okay, love funny right, games okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, i don't um, love it i don't lost, love that film but me, michael hankey yeah right i don't, lost you don't love that film me, that's just that no. um 11.5 that he had early in the episode <laughs> you don't the, love it because it's like upsetting to watch or you don't love it because you don't think it's a good i film? love it because i think it's too clever for its own good i this film is doing a lot of the same stuff, but without the wink, wink, nudge, nudge oh, of that's what funny makes games. it so good. Mm-hmm. See, lost on so me. We'll do that someday. Also, we'll, funny we'll, games we'll might have it. been interesting to pair with Matrix Resurrections because it, it gets remade specifically just to show you that remakes aren't good. Okay, well, we'll, we'll go down that hole sometime. Lost on the, me. The, but I, the I, first few times I watched it were the um, irony of the police force that does exist being just as corrupt as the as the as the Druze. Oh, well, yeah. that was one thing that I thought was like ah, uh, like bizarrely fucking like relevant to mm-hmm. today's like you know culture, society, or whatever. Is that like? These guys who just like to beat the shit out of people go and become cops because guess what they get to do? Yeah. They get to beat the shit out of people yeah. and they don't have to like go to prison for it. You the, know what yeah. I mean? And like if you did that in a movie today, it'd be like, oh, what a what an interesting cultural commentary. Like yes. that's really like saying something about the world we live in. But this movie is 50 years old. Yeah. The motivation to embrace this technique of rehabilitation of criminals is more about reducing the level of crime so that a political party can stay in place. Yeah. 
Law and order. The idea of a, the political figure that that orchestrated Alex's whole situation with the um, the experiment coming to say, look, if you just kind of help us get out of the pickle that we've gotten ourselves into by completely fucking you up, yeah, then uh, <laughs> you'll have a job and by ruining your life, and it's all. They're just as corrupt as the yeah. droogs that they're trying to rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. It's just different well, and levels. Society of, you know. isn't even capable of accepting him as a rehabilitated person. I mean, it, it his undoing isn't the method or the process itself. It's the reaction that people have to it, right? It's the indifference of his parents and the the uh, hostility of their lodger. It's the hostility of his former friends. It's the you know like people's inability to forgive. So you're also being assault, being confronted with this idea that are we as you know a human race capable of forgiveness, uh, able to allow somebody mm-hmm. to actually go through something that like even if he was changed, we would still treat him the way that we used to treat As him, a convict, and then yeah. yeah, and then he would. What would his motivation be? He's going to be totally nauseated the whole time because we've turned him into this. Uh, but the, the idea of loss of free will. I mean, that, to me, that, that what is the film about? It's that, and it's also a uh, exploration of different levels of control. Mm-hmm. The control that Alex wants to have over his little posse the control that the government wants to have over alex the control you know it, it yeah uh, the free will thing is another thing that brings it i felt back this, to the matrix this film is so dense and then just like 2001 you watch it twice because a you want to get the denseness of the content and b the stunning visuals that kubrick does Dif- I don't want to know. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to say better than anyone else, but certainly with his level of style, that makes him that master that we all you know revere him for being. Well, this film I feel like more than 2001, at least. I mean, maybe not more, but in a more obvious way, is so stylized. Like obviously, 2001. I think. Is- I think- equally stylized, but, well, but, but very stylized. I, I don't agree with equally. Because 2001 is obviously, like, a stunning movie. Like, the fact that it was made when it was made and that I saw it in IMAX, like, two years ago and it's still just as fucking breathtaking I'd as it would I'd go to that been, screening if it came out again. You know, at that yeah. time is just completely mind-boggling. But this one, the use... the like incredible use of fisheye lenses like lots lots of wide angle a ton of unnaturally wide angle shots a ton of really shaky camera movement at time or not a ton but at times this use of incredibly shaky camera movement uh the color palette of you know certain scenes and the way he fills the screen with the art direction i mean there's uh, it's a feast for the eyes the entire thing i mean and then also i mean obviously there's like all this, all these references to like Third Reich, like mm. kind of dress or whatever. When he's in jail, he's got the red armband on and mm-hmm. stuff. And you know, um, when they're exercising, it's this very orderly matter that's kind of reminiscent of the marching that he's subjected to and mm. uh, the treatment and all this kind of stuff. And so there's all of these things going on visually. Um, one thing that I did think about when I was watching this was it. It actually, strangely enough, would have been a really good pairing for Nightmare Alley. Because we're looking at two characters on this very secular path. Circular. Circular, sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's a very circular path. Yeah. They start and end in the same place in both films. Mm-hmm. And, okay. And yeah. that's and that's really what both films are like really interested in is the idea that you're gonna take what you are, your natural 
predisposition mm-hmm. as a human being and try and either trick people or mask it or find a way to hide it in these different ways but you're just gonna mm. end back at end end back up in the same place i, I can see that yeah so, no i think i think there's something to it i think with Nightmare Alley, it's it's a little more of a, a self-directed kind of uh, s- circular pathway. Well, he's no, on. it is in this one too, though, because he specifically thinks that he's he thinks he's this big bad fucking super smart guy yeah. that's going to game the system. Right. So every but he's e- pulled down earlier than than Stanton is in Nightmare Alley. And sure, then, and because then we he goes see, to jail soon. Right. I mean, Stanton we know is going to end up in a situation where he totally loses all control. But we we see Alex actually have to go through that for a big chunk of this film. But I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I think that I think he there is, is kind of the architect of his own demise to, or his own sure. No, his I his hubris gets him to know. where he ends up, and but then he has to deal with what the authorities want to do with him. Um, interesting stuff. Yeah. No. Th- this was I was happy to revisit this film as unsettling as it still is. Watching it again, um, it, it's it's incredible to me that this film is as powerful as it is. Fifty years, fifty years. This came out fifty years ago, December uh, that, twenty. That was some December nineteen seventy one. Ass content for nineteen seventy one. That I was thinking that the entire time. I was like, I cannot believe that this movie got made at the time that it did. Yeah, could not believe well, it. It was, you know, it was of it was rated that, X. Yeah, and you know, like Bonnie and Clyde, Midnight Cowboy. I mean, there had been this series of films that got more frank with violence and sexuality um, in the five or six years preceding this. That you know, I think Kubrick knew he had the mm-hmm. the space to be able to do something like this, make could, a statement. Could you like imagine this? being on set? I mean, what a uncomfortable bunch of scenes I, to yeah, shoot. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I have never read much of yeah. of the accounts other than I've I have I watched actually a documentary that's on HBO Max called Forbidden Orange. Yeah, I watched about uh, half of it. That is, it, it's kind of more about this the situation in Spain under Franco and and the restrictions around films. But part of it is how this film broke through and was able to be seen in Spain for the first time yeah. and. Uh, um, you know, and and McDowell narrates parts of it yeah. and and speaks in first person yeah. about his experience. So that was about as close as I've come to hearing people talk about their experience mm-hmm. making this film in that kind of direct of a way. But like you say, Joe, I can't imagine w- what it was like day to day, especially on some of those scenes, the the home invasion. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. So I'm speaking specifically to those and. Yeah. Okay, so he's going to take some scissors and cut the breasts off of your unitard. Uh, be scared and go. And we're yeah. probably, probably going to do 30 takes. Anyway. With I, Kubrick 90, maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underestimated. Yeah, I was glad that we I was he glad. He probably that we had the money it. by this point to do the 127 takes that he wanted to do on yeah. everything. Every once in a while. We'll trade a picture of a beer that we see on some social media feed that is a direct homage to a film. Mm-hmm. And and then we usually will say, yeah, but we don't want to do the movie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but for when you had this one, Carlos, and David, I guess you heard you earlier, Carlos, say that you acquired it for him. There was only one movie you could do with this beer, and I'm glad we finally got around to it. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this wit? It's certainly not a bad beer. Yeah, I mean it's it has stood up for for you know being in the can for a little over a year now. 
Um, I'm still getting orange. Yeah. Or, you know, that, I'm curious how strong the orange was day of canning. It might have been a little stronger, but it's still there. It's definitely still there. And it's still very um, enjoyable drinking Lively, nice, light, nicely carbonated. Um, you know, there is a little bit, I do get in the flavor a little bit of that banana estery kind of element that you often get with a Belgian. A small I'm, amount. Yeah, but but, but I kind of like that. I, I don't like it when it goes too far in that direction. Yeah. So, to, oh to yeah, me, I don't want I don't want a ton of that. Yeah, banana kind of. To me, this is a drink. very easy drinker kind of much easier to drink than Clockwork Orange is to watch. Certainly, let's put that. I'd say it's almost textbook. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's nicely carbonated. No points off for it being in the can as long as it has for me for any aspect of what this beer is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a textbook, uh, textbook wit beer, and I, uh, I en- I'm enjoying it very, very much. Very different from that first beer. Well, maybe that we that's had, what it is. The first beer right? that we had was certainly more my speed. If I'm going to choose at the bar, if those are the two options that are available, but I would drink this uh, uh, happily. Maybe that's the connection, right? So this a year in the can, still good. Clockwork Orange, 50, 50 years, years in, the can. in the can. Still darn good. Uh, yeah. I would agree. And Joe, I think I'd actually go opposite of you at this particular point in my life. If oh. I saw this and that barrel-aged one next to each other, might lean this way. Uh, I have a ton of stouts that have been accruing in my fridge because... Well, if you needed me to take any of those off of your hands, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm here to help I hear you. you, Carlos. It's just tough to... It's like, like do I want to drink a beer and get fucked crack up open 11 and a half, 12% beer, you know, and, and like know what that's going to do to you. Yeah. Whereas this, this is just under five, right? It's 4.9. 4. 9, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, you know you You've can drink 16 ounces of you this. you after this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, crack you could open, have three or four if, of these You solo dome that. Your night's over almost, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. you're you're nearing the end of it. These are choices you make, folks. Choices you make. <laughs> free will, free will. Free. <laughs> I was <laughs> cured all right. If, if, I mean, if you want to have a conversation about free will, we can do that in the Patreon because I have a lot of thoughts on the subject. Uh, How do I find the Patreon to listen? Well, there's a lot of things that you can find and listen and read and engage with. Uh, Like we always say, the best part about the show is that the conversation does not end when the episode ends. It continues, and I'm sure, positive in this case, especially with Matrix Resurrections, it will continue uh, long after the episode ends. And that all happens on your favorite social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX. BeerandMoviePodcast.com is where you can find, uh, if you can't find it in the app you're listening to this through, you can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely for free. Uh, But you can also find a fully updated beer map that shows you all of the different cities, states, and countries that we've been to, all the different beers that we've had. Over 300 beers at this point. We're actually... Uh, seven beers away from 400, I believe. Uh, getting very close to our 400th beer on this show. Uh, yeah, so you can find all that information there. If you're listening to the Snapple podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. We know you're going to give us a five star rating, but please leave a written review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. It really helps the algorithm do what it do and put our podcast in front of more beer and movie loving eyes. Um, and as as Joe referenced earlier, you can find us on Patreon if you would like to financially support the show. Help us uh, get Joe a new pop filter that isn't always sagging uh, down to the ground. Uh, that's patreon.com slash podcast. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode. 
every single week. Yes, we talk about beer. Yes, we talk about movies. But we talk about a great many other things. Maybe we can uh, pick David's brain a little bit about his top 50 albums of the year list that he recently published on his Facebook and Instagram page. It was quite an extensive, very thorough, very eclectic list. Uh, Yeah, but we talk about the shows we've been watching, records we're listening to, all that other kind of stuff. Um, And I think that about wraps it up for this week. It's been... uh, uh, titillating week of the old ultra cinema <laughs> until next time it's funny how the colors of the real world only seem really real when you vidy them on the screen <laughs>